You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Take one. Knock, knock. Who this? We're Stephen and Dana and we can't believe you thought I'm not going to podcast. We're so glad you're listening to it. We would never listen to it. I don't even want to listen to it to edit it. I don't even want to wake up in the morning. We're Stephen and Dana and we're in the room. Welcome, everyone. Good morning, Dana. Good morning, Stephen. How are you? I'm good. I'm on my third espresso. Ooh, and oh. I'm on my first matcha tea. That's why girl. you're good. <laughs> uh, you guys, it's child prodigy Annie Golden. What? <laughs> That's progeny. That's progeny to you. Yeah. Oh, I couldn't be more beside myself if I tried. Aww. Oh, dreams. Bucket list dreams. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Oh, my pleasure. Yes, um, we were supposed to get to you last week, and you know there was a pox on all of our houses, and um, it, it did not happen. And yet we were just like, we need to get Annie, and so oh, now sweet. we are we are here, and it's a gorgeous morning. And now I think morning is our time. Morning is where it's at. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I mean, I was morning, people. I, I was hunkered down in my bedroom, and uh, the uh, the Wi Fi was wonky, and I was looking at a at a video of myself on the screen. And <laughs> I'm sure I we had, all looked amazing because we were. I had to do video. clicked on, and I was told that you were there, and I was not, and I was like, "No, I'm here, and you are not." <laughs> and then I went, "Okay, enough already, everybody. This is beyond me. Uh, I'm out. Peace it was out." A too. <laughs> You know what? I had the biggest glass of whiskey after that. I was just like, you know what? This was the night and this it will happen again. And you were so gracious and so kind. So this is take two. We are yeah. so grateful. And I was totally paranoid. I was like, the camera's not off. I have a camera in my house. I don't, you know, so I was like, sorry, sorry. Can't do the video. Can't walk and chew gum at the same time. Totally. I can talk to you on Zencaster, but I can't look at you on Google Chat. Sorry. <laughs> you know well, what? we are thrilled that you're here. And I, I would like to um, cordially welcome you to In the Room with Stephen and Dana. I am Dana. Yes. <laughs> How awesome. How's your quarantine going? I mean, we'll get to the nitty gritty in a second, but we've, we've been 
we've been uh, locked in the nest, so yes. to speak, and the mm-hmm. Broadway shutdown has officially been extended to September sixth, which yeah, you know, not quite a surprise, but still a heartbreak. Yes, and uh, how are you holding up? I'm I'm easy breezy. I mean, I. Uh, my apartment is comfortable, and I'm a 20-minute walk from my sister and her son, so I mm. have home-cooked meals, and I have uh, visits, and, you know, but um, I'm really, uh, I, I kind of like to be by myself. I'm the oldest of six children, oh, wow. so I always had people uh, sequestered and quarantined you know, in my family. <laughs> so um, the fact that when I when I grew up and became an adult and got my own apartment and I kind of like uh, the the solace, not the isolation. I need my friends. If I didn't mm-hmm. have TMC, my Turner, uh, my TCM, my Turner Classic Movies, or my old timey movie stations, or my get tv with my old um you know series and stuff i would be out of my mind in fact sometimes when it gets a little wonky with transmission i go oh, oh, oh. Uh-huh. i panic already <laughs> you know so i act like i'm all brave and everything but no i need my i need my tv 24 7 and that's just me um but um not just you i assure you yeah it's just you know and my zoom i've already done during during the quarantine i've been more busy than ever um <laughs> i did this podcast bleeding love which was wonderful it and is yes, yes that was the also first on the broadway podcast network yes show. yes broadway podcast network which Probably i did not know days of radio plays I know radio plays and Foley sound, uh, sound effects and um, sound design is so important uh, to bring yeah, it to life. Absolutely. And voice acting is a different thing than, um, you know, uh, than uh, acting uh, in film or acting on television or acting on stage or recording in the studio. It's all a different thing. And it's just another facet of the career. So the first thing I did when we were quarantined was I heard from Harris Duran again. And Harris is my connection to the project Bleeding Love. And he said, we're going to we're going to do it at home. We're going to do it from home. I was like, uh, what? Because <laughs> I'm a techno imbecile. So I just tried to be open and uh, pure of heart, like uh, like our leading lady, Bronwyn, mm. and uh, just be open and flexible. And we did it. And it was it was so wonderful to do it. And that was, that was a project. And then, and then I did, during the quarantine, I did, uh, the full Monty reunion, 20-year reunion via Zoom. Wow. Then wow. I did the Violet cast reunion via Zoom. And uh, it was really kind of great. And then I, I FaceTimed with my friend just outside London for three hours. He, he was in Brighton. Wow. And he said, do you FaceTime? And I was like, sure, like I'm an old pro, which I wasn't before, <laughs> before all of this. So what came out of that is, you know, uh, techno, uh, techno idiot to uh, a techno wizard. So that to techno was, efficient. Yes, to techno efficient. Yes. So Let's bleeding see. love was the first project right out of the gate. And okay, so bleeding love. Listen, it is a three part. It, it's three episodes. Yes. All right, and they're all kind of like maybe half hour. It is such a digestible, you know, candy for the 
ears. It's kind of, to me, it it kind of plays like a cartoon. And I'm not sure if that's because I have to use my imagination because it (laughs) is, it's not a live thing on stage yet. Um, So my mind went wild with where this was going. It's kind of like a rock opera. It's, it's so fun. And I implore everyone to listen to it. Um, It's, it's very quick, you know, you can listen to it in an hour and a half, Uh, Bleeding Love on the Broadway Podcast Network. And I think it's so interesting that you guys had to record it from home because that's where it takes place. It's about people who are locked in because it's too dangerous to go outside. Yeah, so. and it, it's like a really good book. You can't put it down. You have to go yes. on to the next episode and on to the next episode. The music is just glorious and it's operatic in its sensibility, mm-hmm. but um, at its core, it's, um, it's soulful rock. I mean, it's just... It's majestic. It's uh, it's grandiose. Um, uh, uh, you know the be- the best way. It's grandiose in the best way. It's it's a heightened sensibility, and yet we are living in a heightened sensibility world. So it kind of goes hand in hand of like what's happening right now. Yeah. And I think it bridges what you, Annie Golden, our queen of queens, goddess among us, do best. It's like rock and theater and choices. Yes. And kookiness. Yeah. Yeah. I've made a career out of quirkiness. Yes, I have. Yes. (laughs) Well, wait, I have a nerdy audience question before we- All right, Stephen, what is it? Yes, Stephen, yes. With with any musical, like the material is in the work before the audience even knows that it's coming. So obviously this was a work in progress before we knew we would all be quarantined. What did the quarantine and having the idea of recording it from home, recording a, a, a play, a musical about not being able to leave home, well, you can't leave home. Was that um, intentional? Was like what came first, the chicken or the egg? Does that yeah, make sense? Yeah, it was. Yes, uh, it totally makes sense because it's like, oh, timing is everything. What? <laughs> really? Uh, yeah. So um, in 2014, I did a, a workshop. As I say, Harstram uh, brought me into it. He's the lyricist. He's also the director and editor of the podcast. Uh, Very helpful to have him in the room. And as you know, Harris Duran is an actor himself. So there Mm -hmm. it is. We're all on the same page. And he really speaks to each and every one of us. I want to say, I want to say the cast. I want to say Mark Kudish and Taylor French and Tony Vincent and Sarah Stiles and Rebecca Naomi Jones and myself. I mean, it's just so gorgeous and um it it started for me in 2014 i understand it started for sarah in 2012 at nymph so uh harris brought me on uh for madam floyd and we did a workshop in the room so i remember all the voices together just in the room what's the name of your show in the room room. yes so um we were all in a room together and um and it was so lovely and wonderful. And Madame Floyd was so, so quirky and and uh, eccentric, and I just loved it. And then, um, and then uh, we got together. There was a production in Denmark, and um, that was done. You know, a, a live production that was recorded. And then our beautiful, beautiful oh. producer, uh, he he brought 
the recordings to New York and we were able to use those recordings and do the English version in the studio. So we were recording artists for a day and um, that was terrific and fun. And then, um, then Harris contacted me and said, we think we want to use the tracks and put them in the context of the dialogue and do the story on Broadway uh, Podcast Network. And I was like, uh, I'm in, I'm down. So um, that's what we did. And, and that's how it came about. So it was kind of chicken or the egg was kind of, you know, uh, a backwards way to um, make it happen. And sure. that's what we did. And it was so timely. It was so, so timely. timely. So creative. My yeah. God. What yeah, a so way. beautiful. Life gives the lemons make a podcast. Yeah, and it's loosely based on Oscar <laughs> Wilde, you know, uh, The Nightingale and the Rose. I mean, so it's it's kind of that. And so that was the source material. And then, you know, and then we just we just ran with it. And um, so beautiful. And uh, Jason Schaefer uh, wrote the, um, you know, wrote the book. And uh, as I say, Harris did the lyrics. And Arthur LaFrance Bacon wrote that gorgeous music. And that's oh, what I love when rock and roll is operatic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I kind of like that because my, my you know, my, my, my growing up influences, you know, David Bowie and um, Edith Piaf and uh, Judy Garland and Frank Sinatra, all those pop singers who also did um, film and did dramatic roles, but also did live concerts, but also did recordings. I mean, Mm -hmm. the, you know, the, the full spectrum. So operatic is, you know, it's, it's, it's right in our wheelhouse with the we rock singers, you know? Yes. Hang up the phone queen. Oh, my Lord. Yes. Okay. Yes. That's on loop. That is my summer yep. jam. Oh, I was I was on Broadway and leader of the pack with that. And um, <laughs> and I had met Ellie Greenwich because it was the Ellie Greenwich musical. And um, we were the first jukebox musical. So we were considered an abomination. <laughs> Talk about, you know, yeah, we took the hit for that because we were a song cycle of uh, a pop uh, composer's uh, catalog at, put to a storyline. So, and it was her life story, Ellie Greenwich. And um, so Ellie knows uh, Jimmy Iovine and Jimmy was in LA and he was uh, doing the soundtrack for this John Hughes movie, 16 Candles. And uh, he had recorded, hang up the phone with another singer. And um, I guess he wasn't uh, pleased with it. And um, it, it was bothering him and he wanted to, uh, perfected and realized his vision. And so he was grousing to Ellie and Ellie said, I think I have somebody. And, um, she, she recommended me and I went into the studio and I did a demo, um, <laughs> uh, to the track and that's it. Cut, cut, print, you know, and it went. And then I got a call from Howie Deutsch. Um, and, uh, he, he, he was doing the video and um it's and an so, iconic video anyone I ever know. daydreamed about having a music video it's that music video <laughs> it's so 80s it's so fun with like the yeah. post-it notes and like the list and the sharpies oh 
And also the source material, go, you know, going steady and what's the story from Bye Bye Birdie and, and yes. all those. Now, now we're in the Zoom era, but all that split screen with all those, you know, the Hollywood squares or the Brady Bunch yeah. boxes of everybody on the phone oh. telling each other about the surprise party. Yeah, it was, it was pretty awesome. Uh, you performed it on Letterman? Yeah, I Let's did. Not forget that. Yeah, <laughs> also I did. on YouTube with Paul Schaefer, and uh, I did the band. But I was also um, what happened was at the last minute, Paul called me on a Friday and said, "Monday, our musical guest has can you know uh, was uh, has canceled." And I was wondering, I pitched you to Dave, and he said, "Sure, bring her on. Do you want to do your soundtrack single or?" <gasps> We could do, and Paul had, and Paul had done um, leader of the pack at the bottom line, okay. in the uh, in the Paul Specter uh, in the uh, Phil Specter role, so uh, you know the maniacal producer. Yeah. So um, he he said we could do something from leader of the pack because you know you're you're on Broadway in that, or we could do your soundtrack single, which I think would be even more interesting. And I was like, sure, okay, great. So Monday was sound check, and then mo- Monday afternoon was uh, filming it, and it was uh, it was one. And then I sat down with David because yeah. I was also on Miami Vice at the time. So <laughs> I was I you was are again. so cool. I know I it's so crazy. I can't even believe. I just watched a beautiful, beautiful documentary called uh, Natalie Wood: What Remains Behind. Okay. And um, it's a documentary done by her daughter, and uh, it wow. uh, it lifts her legacy out of the scandal and mystery of her death into mm-hmm. her legacy of her work, woman of a certain age, groundbreaker. Anyway, Natalie Wood was asked, "Oh, well, you know, why did? Uh, oh, so uh, West Side Story, you um, you did West Side Story," and she said, "Yeah, but I I was nominated for Splendor in the Grass, you know." So it's like that that over. The overlapping opportunities when mm-hmm. blessings are just, you know, abounding, you just kind of go with the flow. And I'll sleep yeah. when I'm dead or, or sequestered or quarantined. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah. like, you are in everything. Like, there is no hurting for Annie Golden content right now. You could turn on Netflix right now, watch Wars of the New Black. You are also on Run on HBO. I saw you I in know. it. Yeah. <laughs> you are on Spotify with Broadway Bounty Hunter if you want to listen to a great you know, off Broadway album. Oh yeah. my yes, God. That just came out while we're all in quarantine. Uh, it sounds I know. remarkable. We, we did that too. We did our listening party on YouTube. So, uh, you know, I've gone out more, uh, when I'm shut in and locked down than I ever <laughs> did when I was, uh, free to show up at things, you know, it's just really, easier. Really. I'll show up, but don't make me actually show up anywhere other than my couch. Exactly. exactly. Send me the link. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, no, no lack of, uh, no lack of busyness for me and no lack of opportunities. And so that's what it was. Everything hit while we were, you know, stuck at home, you know, the, the cast album bleeding love was the first thing out of the gate, as I said, mm-hmm. then I was on the high maintenance for HBO. Uh, yes. then I was on run the pilot episode and, um, then, you know, the cast album dropped and, um, Orange is the New Black uh, uh, series finale. Also, I had I was I was at the Greenwich House doing uh, Broadway Bounty Hunter, and I had the fortieth reunion, forty year reunion of the cast of Hair, the movie. Wow! 
So we did that. <laughs> so I was like, okay, my past is coming back to haunt me and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? I have I have a theory and I want to run it by you. I, I heard on a it was a previous podcast, I think it was Laura Haywood's, where you had mentioned you are not very nostalgic, which mm-hmm. I think makes sense because you're constantly looking forward, you're constantly looking for the next thing and saying yes and being yeah. completely game to whatever is coming down the Annie Golden pipeline, which I think is inspiring. Yeah, I had said that, um, and it's true, but it's really, uh, in, in this career, you wait to be chosen, so um, I'm so uh, flattered and honored, and um, I'm so, there's that word again, blessed, um, mm-hmm. to be invited uh, aboard uh, with people like Junji Cohen, the, the creator mm-hmm. of Orange is the New Black, Joe Iconish, I'm his muse. He has a lot of muses, but I'm his muse <laughs> of a certain age. And, no um, question. You know, the HBO people. And then um, I was at the Eugene O'Neill in Connecticut uh, that Alexander oh. Gemignani was uh, in music the- musical theater development, and I should get him this bleeding love, I think. And um, <laughs> yeah. uh, he had invited me to the Eugene O'Neill for a couple of weeks one summer and, um, mm-hmm. you know, last summer and, um, the HBO people, the high maintenance people called. So, you know, as I was doing the presentation of a new musical out there and getting ready to come home and I had been away for a couple of weeks, so there were no auditions and I, ha- I was coming home to nothing. Not so because my agent said <laughs> the people from high maintenance, uh, contacted us and, they've written a role for you. They, they hope you will consider doing. And I was like, written for me. Yes, please. <laughs> so when cool. I, so when I did Barbie on, on uh, season three of uh, high maintenance, um, you know, they had written stuff for me and um, I get to diss as the character, my best bud, Steve Buscemi. And so Steven reached out to me and said, you know, thanks for the shout out on high maintenance. I was like, yeah, they wrote that stuff. I just ran with it. You know, <laughs> they wrote that stuff, you know? So, so it was, it, it's just great for people. And I really think the, the timing is the thing. I mean, I think it's people like, you know, Joe Iconis, Jenji Cohen, um, you know, uh, the high maintenance people, uh, they, I think they grew up on me as the as the character or the sidekick or the the quirky character uh, cameo on maybe their favorite shows, and right. they grew up saying, you know, well, where's that lady? I mean, and also, you know, when I work with young composers like Joe Iconis, like Max Vernon, like Shayna Taub, I, mm. you know, I always say to my friends, you want to get your foot in that door, you know, as the as the pixelated grandma, as the the nosy neighbor, as the spinster aunt, they're always going to have, you know, wow. that role, and you want to you want to be their first choice when they're casting it. So, that's really, you know, that's I have a new series on Fox TV that will drop in the fall, Ooh. and uh, I was invited by Tate Taylor who directed and adapted the book, the screenplay for The Help. Wow. And um, he has his first foray into series television, and he wrote a role for me. So I play this uh, 
bayou woman on the by bayou swamp lady bible quoting speaking in tongues <gasps> oh uh, i can't wait to that. see you in that and it's kim cattrall's return to series television so <gasps> yes! <laughs> you Steven don't even know okay who I'm, i think i am I'm- Come on, who do you think you are, Annie Golden? I know, I can't even believe my luck, but uh, that will drop in the fall, and it's called Filthy Rich, and it's on Fox TV. But, you know, I listened to the three episodes of Bleeding Love yesterday, and when I was doing interviews, and if our original interview had come off, I would only have heard maybe... um, uh, the teasers of the, you know, of the, uh, of the podcast, but mm-hmm. I sat yesterday and made time for it. And I was so thrilled with it. And I gushed and I wrote Harris, a, you know, a, a love letter, a fan letter, but I also have to write to Jason Schaefer and I have to write to um, Arthur LaFrance Bacon about just how beautiful it is. And um, I was so taken with it. And I felt like I was sitting in a theater again, which I totally miss. Mm, totally. You know, just the lushness of it and the, mm. the humanity of it and the, and the humor of it is just um, so gobsmackingly good. And I was so impressed with it. And I went, I'm so freaking lucky. Do I know how lucky I am? You know, so there was that too. There was there was there was that going on too that I, you know, if I had spoken to you earlier, I would not have been gushing as a groupie, which today I am. <laughs> yeah, we wouldn't have had the third episode yet. I think you know the silver lining. Yeah. Equo uh, is that we got the time to hear the end. Oh, you did. Talking to you. Oh, good, good, good. Yeah, that's terrific. We yeah, the finale experience is just so gorgeous. It really is. I mean, I was thinking because I, you know, while quarantined, when I get low, it's not about how how lonely I am. It's about yeah. how this is kind of the easy part, and we don't really know the hard part yet, which is readjusting to being out in the world again and seeing what those changes are going to be. Um, yeah. And one thing that makes me sad is, you know, obviously art in a lot of ways is on hold, um, particularly yeah. the theater, but this. You know, thinking back to my 16-year-old self, if I was stuck at home and wasn't getting new cast recordings because there were no new musicals coming out. You know, Where did you grow up, Stephen? Los Angeles. Oh, okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I, I think about that part. I think about what what's going to get us through as we readjust and the new art gets to come out again. And yeah. it's things like this. It's things like Bleeding Love. It's things like theater podcasts that are going to help get us there. It did. Hearing new orchestrations that were really thought out and not just thrown together for a podcast that people are doing out of their homes. This is especially now knowing the evolution of the piece. um, Hearing that time and effort is what made the difference for me. Between sitting and listening to, say, just a thrown together piece to entertain and something that has some heart to it and something that's going to give you a full theatrical experience uh mm-hmm. just through your ears which is yes. what any good fully theatrical does. for real. Yeah, yeah fully theatrical i mean i got such thir- i got chills i mean listening to it and i i almost was you know I almost was holding my head up to look above the head of the person sitting in front of me. <laughs> you know? like, I was like, 
wow. Or like shifting over right shoulder, left shoulder for stage left and stage right. You know, what's happening over there? What's happening over there? I mean, it really, um, yeah, it really comes alive. It was so alive. And then also I felt that way when I heard the Broadway Bounty uh, cast album. Broadway Bounty Hunter cast album. I, I, I thought that it was even more... Uh, poignant than the live show because the pace of it, thanks to Charlie mm. Rosen's orchestrations and Jeffrey Coe's um, con- conducting, um, it was just so alive and bright and snappy. The repartee oh, was so snappy. Fun. And I just thought it was so beautiful. And I went, yeah, you see, we we have to adjust for the medium. And I, exactly. I yes, and I have been uh, you know, fortunate enough to work in all mediums. Uh, like I said to our engineer, Brittany, before we started, I said, this is not my first rodeo. Uh, techno- technologically, yes, but to give interviews, to remember names and dates and places and and to keep it interesting and entertaining while you're, while you're talking. I'm not a fan mm-hmm of talk radio I never was Mm -hmm. but the podcasts are a different thing there's the sound design and it just was alive Bleeding Love was just alive I just loved it well I gotta say I feel like I'm truly in your apartment wherever you are I feel like we're on the couch with you (laughs) oh you know what's funny though I'm I'm getting a little nervous because I didn't close the window because it was such a beautiful day that's why you heard the sirens outside but also (laughs) when we were doing the podcast I had another uh, Broadway podcast uh, network uh, brilliant engineer, Alan Seals. Um, he recorded it, and he would say, um, "Is someone? Someone? It sounds like someone's doing the dishes." And I went, um, <laughs> no, uh, "No, that would be um, my. I'm on the top floor, so the pressure. My toilet flushes on its own, so that would be me." So he was like, oh, and I said, and that's in the other room and I have the door closed, but that's about, that's as good as I can give you. And he was like, okay. And then a little while later, he said, is someone, is someone clanging pots and pans or something? I said, no, that would be my radiator. The heat is, the heat is coming up. So it was like, it was, yes, the Broadway legend and star Annie Golden lives in a tenement <laughs> and that, i love an ambiance moment I and i it. wouldn't give it i wouldn't give it up for anything i've been in my apartment for decades and i love it and oh, fabulous um, i'm on the top floor so uh, lots and lots of sun so mm. but it's interesting those are the funny stories the podcast you don't ever you know you don't you don't ever think that's gonna you know come into play but i can hear the radiator warming up over here i'm like oh it's gonna be clang 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 came the trolley in a minute yes ma'am yeah so but um, yes another one of my idols uh we were talking about genji cohen earlier and orange is the new black was such a beautiful piece beginning to end and also we have to remember it was certainly one of the first um, kind of Netflix originals and kind of introduced this idea of being able to binge a whole series at one time. And um, I want to highlight one part of it specifically. Spoiler alert if you haven't watched, but it's your own fault. 
Um, <laughs> there, there's a point where, you know, there's a, there's a hole in the fence and you are, uh, you're the leader that kind of gives everyone else permission to leave the prison and run in the lake. And I just <laughs> want to talk about uh, the experience of shooting that because your character is a mute and yet has more lines than seemingly anyone. Um, and and I think that's no more clear than at that moment when everyone's kind of knowing they can do something and not feeling quite like they have permission but you decide to give that permission and I want to know what that conversation was I want to know what um what the approach to shooting that gorgeous moment was yeah it was I mean um the whole thing was a gift from start to finish I mean I had just come back from um Barrington stage, uh, as I say, when you go away, you don't do auditions. So you come back to nothing and you hope, you know, you hope a job surfaces. Mm -hmm. And I had been up at Barrington stage doing the black suits with, uh, with Joe Iconis. Mm -hmm. And, uh, when I came back, um, I auditioned for Jen Houston and I auditioned for the role of sister Ingalls, which, uh, the brilliant Beth Fowler, uh, wound up, uh, being cast in. And mm-hmm. so I auditioned for Sister Ingalls and uh, the story as Jen Houston, our casting agent, told me it was, um, she showed the the screen test to Jenji Cohen and Jenji Cohen said, that's Annie Golden. And Jen Houston said, yeah, and she's, she's <laughs> available. I mean, she's here and she's, you know, and she's, she's, you know, we, we can, we can have her and uh, she's free. And Jenji said, can you turn the sound down on that? And Jen was like, uh, oh, okay. Turn the sound down. She said, you know, listen, call Annie's people and tell them uh, that I'm offering her uh, the role of Norma. And Jen, Jen said, I, uh, I don't have any, I don't have a character breakdown on that. I don't have any sides for that. And she said, no, because I'm going to write it for Annie. Wow. And then, and then I found out when I got the script that there were no lines for me. I had to read the stage direction. So the other cast members say, Oh, Annie, you have it easy. Um, you get the script and you have no lines. And I was like, yeah, I got to read every stage direction to see what Norma thinks about what's going on and what Norma sees and what Norma doesn't see and what Norma knows and what Norma needs to let the audience know. So they were all like, okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> sorry we said you had an easy gig. Okay, sorry. So It's like um, that line from Soap Dish. She has more lines than me and she's a goddamn mute. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, you have to speak volumes with your, with your face and in your stillness and your listening. And, um, so the whole thing was a, you know, was a gift from the beginning. And, um, then to get your own episode, every time I would read the scripts and someone would get a backstory and I would say, you know, I would, I would write to Kate and say, congratulations on, you know, us finding out more about red uh, mm-hmm. I wrote to Elizabeth Rodriguez. I said, you know, congratulations, querida. You get your backstory. And she was like, oh, my God, that's such a nice tradition that you do that, that you contact everybody when they get their, you know, their backstory. And then when I when I got mine, um, it was so wonderful uh, to have that. And the episode that you're talking about, Stephen, is, was was part of that story arc. And um, I had a backstory and then I had my own crew 
inside, you know, inside the prison. I had my own followers mm-hmm. and um, it was spiritual in nature, which I love. The power was, was of the spirit as far as Norma's uh, peeps were concerned. Mm-hmm. So that was powerful. But the whole aspect of freedom, that was what was wonderful. And um, it was, uh, it, it was, um, directed by um one of our favorite directors abrahams and he uh he had a truck and i was running ahead of him and those shoes are heavy those are steel mm. steel toe shoes in fact mm. um leah delaria had a dislocated hip from wearing those shoes for so many so many seasons mm. um yeah because you know they're heavy so yeah. um so i just ran and um phil abra phil abrams was our director and I loved him and um he you know run Forrest run you know he was a, <laughs> and and he was and he was in the you know uh, a ta- the uh, uh the caddy with the with the uh w- with the camera was attached mm-hmm. and I was running ahead of them and I had to keep ahead of them lest be run over and then the background was a be- you know it was a beautiful day and and the women were either at the basketball court or running track or in the garden or sitting sitting on a, a bench outside in the sun. So everyone was, it was all encompassing. And I ran and then he would shout, you know, choices and, and, and different, and different uh, feelings. And mm-hmm. so I, I was running and then he would say, um, he'd say, uh, Annie, you know, and then I go, so is this a change while I'd be running? So Phil, is that a change? You you got the, you got the, you know, and I would repeat back to him what he wanted, you know, the joy, the apprehension, the fear, you know, and he would give you uh, different, different things to play. And um, just seeing that, seeing that hole in the fence and knowing uh, for some reason that there was a lake on the other side was just and that whole glorious glorious day I mean of filming that was just um it was there were there were a lot of milestone moments in the uh five five and then final season uh seven in the the five seasons that I was on it was just there were such um, gobsmackingly good things to play and to say in regards to Norma and, um, and, you know, I miss hugs. I'm doing this, uh, theme posting on my Instagram, uh, the Annie golden and, uh, <laughs> and I do, uh, you know, cause nothing's going on. I, sure. I, I post pictures and it's my, I miss hugs theme. So it's either my family I'm hugging or celebrity hugging or, you know, you might recognize the people in the picture, but it's just me saying, I miss hugs and handshakes. Oh, fun. I like that. <sighs> so I would be, I would be on the subway and people would recognize me and say, you know, and depending on what I was doing, if I was listening to music to learn for a project or I was studying a script or, you know, just trying to be alone with my thoughts and someone would smile at me and, you know, uh, you know, say, you're Norma and, you know, and then they would say, could I give you a hug? I mean, oh my god! Of course so, they did. So then you you know, then you know the affection that the audience has for your character, and you know you're mm-hmm. connecting. And you said Netflix; it was the first out of the gate, so it was. I mean, I remember when we went to uh, 
every premiere after after the first premiere, uh, they had House of Cards on House of Cards mm-hmm. on, and we know how that how, how that went, and that was very popular. And then uh, the Netflix representative every year after our first year, she would say. I'm proud to invite you to the premiere of season two, season five, season four, season three. Um, The program that put Netflix on the map. And so we were so proud of that because actually it was. We far surpassed all expectations with that. And so to be invited along on a project like that with, you know, other women who have made quirkiness a a career, you know, mm-hmm. Leah Delaria. Amen. Amen. Yes. Leah, Leah Delaria. Oh, Lori Tan Chen. Um, Lynn Tucci. I mean, it's just, it's it's unbelievable uh, how fortunate we were. And every season we would get together at the start of the season and we just couldn't believe mm. our luck. I believe that. I'm watching it. And so many Broadway theater peeps. Yeah. Yeah. You believe that watching it, right, Stephen? Yeah, as an observer, yeah. there it's it is it's palpable. I mean, I know I know acting, I know good acting, and I know legit being. And, yeah. Um, you 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 guys are a family. There's no question about that. And there was that beautiful special they did at the end that was kind of an hour long episode yeah. in and of itself, which was really just kind of wrapping up the uh, the perfect bow. Yeah. And, and Dana, uh, you were right too. All my Broadway peeps, all the, <laughs> all the women, uh, you know, who have chops for days and can do eight shows a week, um, you know, just bringing it uh, in an extreme close up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I, I wanted to mention there's another um, fantastic moment where we learn that you are a selective mute. Is that the term? Yeah. I, I would say she's a, uh, she's a traumatic mute. Yeah, that you know she can she can speak, but she but she chooses uh, not to uh, due to some you know some trauma in her life. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and there's a beautiful scene where you guys are doing uh, theater in prison, and uh, and you uh. you take over for Crazy Eyes, who <laughs> yes. gets stage fright, and wh- I mean that's such a you know save as a you know, fellow performer, <laughs> like, yeah. oh, thank God. But then we realize, oh, my God, Norma's singing. Norma's belting. And it's Norma's so tender. Norma's saving and the day. <laughs> saves the day yet yeah. again. Yeah, with a Hank Williams tune, uh, uh, a cappella, in mm. my in my tampon tiara. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, in the nativity scene, you know, and... Um, <laughs> I remember Taryn Manning had just, um, uh, she had uh, her first LP. She dropped her first LP and she was the, the angel, uh, above, above the nativity scene. And, um, we didn't really know each other that well. We didn't have much to do, uh, with each other that, that first season. Mm -hmm. So at the, uh, at the Christmas pageant, um, when I would do, you know, uh, take after take, and Michael Trim was our our director for that, and uh, adore him as well, and he was also um, producer of the show that first season, um, and we did, you know, however many takes we needed to do, you know, we did, and um, from however many different angles, and I remember they brought the extras in, and I loved our extras, and 
there were some of them that, you know, carried on with the series even after, you know, uh, Norma, you know, was out, mm. um, you know, and got transferred. Uh, it, it was so beautiful that they brought them in and they didn't get scripts or anything. So they didn't know. They were like, oh, we're going <laughs> to see the Christmas pageant. <laughs> and Michael turned the camera on them and said, and don't, you know, and don't, and don't reveal anything. Don't nobody say anything. And the extras came in, the women came in and I started to sing. And so some of those, some of those reactions are genuine, uh, which is so, (laughs) so professor. Yeah. So we got like a preview of what the audience response might be, you know? And um, yeah, so crazy eyes get stage fright as, Suzanne Uzo uh, often yes. did. She was just so so skittish about the outside world, and um, and she went up on her lyrics, and and she 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 got nervous and afraid, and so Norma just came from the back row, and and then was pushed to the front, which I I love that moment too, where they just they just push her up front and say go, you know, which is kind of what she's leading to the fence. She's saying go. You know, let's go. Let's, you know, and then we all jump in the lake. <laughs> <laughs> Just like that. Pool party. Go, go jump in the lake. Woohoo! Beach party. <laughs> That's beautiful. Thank you for um for sharing that with us. It's just such a beautiful moment of television, I think, regardless of platform. And um that, that those were always my favorite scenes. Those all skates when we were all mm. when we would all be together. Whether yes. it was in the in the in the lunchroom, or um, in the yard, or I always, or in the chapel, when there when there was always more than you know me, Red, and Gina Murphy, my my wonderful Abigail Savage, my you know my scene partner oh. in the kitchen, when it was more than the kitchen crew, when it was all skate, when it was the general population, I always loved that. I always loved that because. Um, our cameramen, our directors, our creator, Genji, they would all do um, hunting expedition. We would get we would get the scene that was down on paper. We would get the coverage. Uh, we would get the inserts. And then it would be hunting expedition. And it would be camera A, B, and C. They would go find, and Genji mm. would say, Get that one, get that one. So that's where our extras mm. on our on our background people were featured with their responses as incarcerated women to whatever was going on, whether it be a birthday dance party or release dance party, or um, you know uh, a revolt, um, you know a resistance, standing on the table, you know whatever it was, uh, they would do a hunting ex- expedition, and I would always. Uh, sit at Video Village, which is where the monitor is, mm-hmm. and I would just love to see, you know, see who they picked. Uh, oh, that's those, so fun! Those actresses, yeah, it was wonderful. You know, I don't yeah. think many people do that on a set, and I think it is so beautiful and such a testament to those um, background actors. Yes, that you you are taking the time to invest in their story as well. Yeah, they have yeah. something to say, and Genji sees it, and she knows it, and Michael Trim and uh, uh, Phil Abrahams. I mean, they you know they see what they're what they're bringing to the table, and they want to capture it and feature it. So that was lovely. Mm. Yeah, I yeah. think that's beautiful. 
I'm Annie Golden. As the theater queen that I am, I would be remiss to not ask you about assassins. Okay. Um, I mean, you are in a very unique position to portray someone really, um, someone associated with someone very, very nasty. You you were squeaky from. And yeah. how does one bring her to life knowing that... Um, Knowing knowing that history and knowing that story and having lived through that story, yeah. um, how do you respectfully bring that person to life? Well, you do because Stephen sometimes write me a song. Yep, it's <laughs> <laughs> a good way to uh, make that happen. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you know, I was Figure I was totally out. intimidated and out of my depth. But um, what I was. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I had been doing theater, you know, f- for a while at that point and having wonderful opportunities. But I mean, Sondheim is legit. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, you know, that's West Side Story. That's, yeah. you know, that's innovative, pu- pushing, pushing the envelope. Um, you know, it was, uh, you know, when I worked uh, uh, on the town with Adolph Green and Betty Comden before they passed, you know, it was, that was, that was theater royalty. And they would tell stories of, you know, working, working with Leonard Bernstein, who was the classically trained and, and how he was considered, you know, um, uh, what an abomination that was that he should step into pop theater and Broadway culture. And, you know, and Stephen was there as a young man. So all of, all of their trips, all of their uh, stories, all of their behind-the-scenes um, input was uh, was lovely to you know to to get a, a foot in that door. But um, you know, I auditioned like everybody else did, and I was apprehensive because my legacy up to that point was genie and hair, so mm-hmm. it was the peace uh, peace loving. A flower child uh, and I said do I want to do the other side of the coin with the you know the drug addled uh, uh, misdirected zealot of a mm. psychopath I mean do I want to do the other side of that coin I mean what you know really that's the way I saw it and I said you know am I am I making you know a mistake and then I was like it's Sondheim it's Jerry Zachs just Mm. just go with it if you get it go with it don't question and it was really and it was wonderful because um uh Stephen asked me uh with Paul Ford in the room and Paul Gemignani uh, the gatekeeper and arbiter of all things uh, Sondheimian, yes. um, <laughs> who is Alexander's father. Uh, you know, um, Stephen asked me, you know, well, what do you, I, I, I know you had a band and um, uh, I know, you know, you did original music and I went, oh, but I didn't really write those songs. I mean, I just sang them. The guys wrote the songs. I didn't really, and he goes, oh, okay. So um, what do you listen to? Is there someone... Uh, that you listen to. And so I did the, you know, the Judy Gall and Edith Piaf, uh, David Bowie, Frank Sinatra rundown. But then I did say to him, there's a, there's a, a little known uh, British uh, singer songwriter 
that I like that not too many people know about uh, Kate Bush. I I, uh, I, oh, I like yes. I like her and I listen to her. And so uh, that brings me back to Bleeding Love because when I listened to it and I was so thrilled by it, I sent a quote to Harris Duran out of the realm of the orchestra, violin, violin, <laughs> violin, which is a Kate Bush song. And so I remembered that I had said to Stephen, um, you know, I listened to Kate Bush. And then he came back with Unworthy of Your Love, which was singing like an angel and then singing like a banshee. So I knew that he had he had given a listen to what this actress, you know, he was writing for somebody who did have, you know, a range. He can write for anybody. Someone who doesn't have a range, he, he can write for. But he wanted to... Um, he wanted to um, showcase that. And so when he came back with that uh, for Squeaky and John Hinckley, Gre Greg Gurman, um, I knew that he had listened to me. So not only was I um, intimidated, but then, uh, but then comforted, I, I, was put, I was put at ease because I knew that he had listened to what I had said. Hmm. You know, uh, so uh, what I had said about my references, you know, what I, my influences. And um, I, I picked that rare thing because I knew working with Sana Annie Golden, working with Sana, oh my God, mm -hmm. um, that's a rare thing. So let me pick uh, <laughs> the most um, obtruse of my, you know, of my, of my, of my influences. And so I said Kate Bush. And then when he came back with that, I just went, yeah, he, he listened to what I said, you know, and he referenced that. And I was so, um, I was so honored by that. And so Assassins was awesome. And I had done leader of the pack with Patrick Cassidy. So he was, so, you know, he was the, uh, he, he was the minstrel. He was the, he was the narrator. Um, yeah. And, um, and then Lee Wilkoff was the original, uh, you know, Seymour. And I had played Audrey. <laughs> and, um, you know, I didn't get to play opposite him, but I, you know, but I, I loved the material and, um, and also, uh, Lee Wilkoff, great voice was in a musical without a song, Sam Bick, his rants and raves and, and letters to, to the president. Those were his arias. That's how mm. we saw it. Those were his arias. But I mean, then I had also, you know, taken, you know, a role in a musical that the character didn't have a song when I worked on on the town for George C. Wolfe. So uh -huh. it was interesting to see that, to see that people who are musical theater stars and have vocal chops take uh, roles that don't don't have a song when everybody else does. I thought that was very oh. unique and wonderful. And so, yeah. And then, I mean, just Jonathan Hadari and Terrence Mann and Victor Garber and Deborah Monk. And I mean, it was, it, it was, I was really in some serious company and I just loved it. Mm. I just loved it. And I loved the piece and um, it was really just, it was, it was a wonderful experience, but it was a hardship experience because 
we opened our first preview was uh, when the um, when the Persian Gulf War broke out. So people mm. went to dinner and had their tickets for the first preview of Assassins. And while they mm. were out to dinner, war was <gasps> declared. And then they came to see our show and they didn't know it. And then the wow. next night they did know it. And it was seen as an anti-American piece. It was <gasps> seen as, you know, um, it was it was uh, wild, uh, wildly misunderstood. So again, uh, timing is everything. Right. We even got booed that second night. It was during the curtain call. I was like, "Oh, okay. This is uh, this is renegade. <laughs> you know, this uh, this is in my wheelhouse. You know, to push back. You know, so um, this is activism uh, without without trying to be. You know, so we're like, oh yeah. Well, we have two final questions that I think I'm going to have Stephen take over, but I do have one last question, which is you have done everything. You have been a music video star. You have, you have been a punk rocker in the seventies. You grew up in Brooklyn. You are iconic in the East village and on Broadway and in TV and film. Hello, baby boom. Yeah. Um, I I just I think you know you've done it all your energy allows us to know that this is why you know you say yes people want to write for you because obviously this is what is coming from you you are your energy is just insane and I want to be around it all the time <laughs> my question is when you were growing up is this what you thought would happen and I don't know uh, what it is, but yeah. it, it, did you want to be X, Y, Z? And did X, Y, Z happen? It, it happened for me, um, but it was the dream I dare not dream. Um, mm. I remember, as I said, oldest of six kids. So yeah. um, uh, daddy was a teamster. Uh, mom had a you know full-time job with the six of us, obviously. But um, my dad and I would always watch uh, the Million Dollar Movie, which was a movie that repeated uh, every night, uh, I think on Channel 9, and it was WOR TV, and we would watch the same movie over and over. And Mm -hmm. um, then I became, that's when I became uh, enamored uh, with movies. So mm-hmm. even before musicals, I was enamored uh, with the uh, movies. What's and, your favorite uh, movie? Oh no, that's hard. no. You have to then you have that's to another ca- podcast. <laughs> no, but you have to catalog it. You know, you have to say, oh, 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 okay, all right. Well, here, you know, uh, black and white. I just saw the Miracle Worker last night um, mm-hmm. on uh, Turner Classic Movies. Um, that's uh, so profound and it's a real story and it's black and white and the music is so um, important to the emotion of the story um, and two powerful women in, in a position of teaching and mentorship. Mm-hmm. So it really speaks to me, you know, the miracle worker, but I mean, um, you know, Lillian Gish, a silent film, Orphans of the Storm, um, uh, John Cassavetes' Husbands. Uh, I just watched Downton Abbey movie the other night and I realized the queen was the tall, 
the tall uh the tall london bird that um that uh, uh john cassavetes had a crush on during his weekend in london i went that's that's that that that's that actress in whenever it was uh, sixty eight or whenever it was. I was like, that's that actress that he you know, and she's she's tall and she's beautiful. She's also Mrs. Hudson in the Robert Downey Jr. franchise of um, Sherlock Holmes. So I I recognize things, and so I see when I was when I was younger, who made an impact on me, and then I remember them, and I see that they're still doing it. I mean, it's kind of. Wow. It's kind of profound. Yeah. So, um, um, yeah. Um, your question, my, you know, my, my dad and I, um, we would sit and watch movies and, and, and sing together. And, um, you know, and I can, I remember actors from a time that's before me. And when I meet people, they can't, you know, they can't believe that I know Adolf Manjou or... <laughs> You're so savvy. Uh, you know, it's just, it's crazy, but it's, um, it's savant-like, but it's because I, I was such a sponge and I absorbed it. Mm-hmm. So then when Milos Forman discovered me singing at CBGB's and I remember sitting in my living room watching the Oscars when he accepted it for, um, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and... Wow. And then I remember watching Terrence McNally on Charlie Rose talking about Masterclass and Maria Callas. And I said, I'd like to work with that guy someday. Wow. And then Paul Monty. And then, you know, Milos came down and I always say, you know, he was either talent scouting or slumming, depending on how you look at it. <laughs> and he came down to CBGB's looking for new talent. And... um and he put me in a major motion picture. And um, what he loved was that I was actually a secretary. My day job was a secretary, which is, you know, typing and stenography and dictation and organizational skills and answering the phone and uh, uh, answering correspondence and stuff. I was a secretary at United Artists. And wow. those are the people who <laughs> produced hair. So I told wow. him I worked in the office, and then I was also a secretary at ABC TV Public Relations. So I got to tell Kate Mulgrew <gasps> that when she started in Ryan's Hope, I was a secretary oh. in the department, and I would do oh the God. Nielsen ratings, which is you know how many people are watching daytime. So I said, honey, when you started on Ryan's Hope, I was a secretary at ABC. She was like, what? Oh, <laughs> my God. I said, yeah. So it was, yeah. So, I mean, six degrees of separation and just really, if you're open, if you're open to the universe, you can, Mm. you can um, fire on all cylinders, which, which is what I do. That's why I said, you know, have you ever had a conversation with me? Because I will wear you out with my enthusiasm. (laughs) (laughs) With pleasure. I do. Yeah. So does that answer your question, Dana? It does. It does. Yeah. Yeah. Completely. Yeah. And our, our, our last two questions, which we ask all of our guests, um, the first is... But enough about me. Let's talk about you. What do you think of me? <laughs> what was your first impression of each of us? <laughs> of you guys? Yes. Oh, well, my first impression was, you're somewhere where I'm not. <laughs> I'm in my bedroom on a video screen, and I clicked on, I clicked on the link you sent me, 
and uh, you're not there. And I don't know what I did wrong, but um, you know, it's making me, it's, it's making me feel bad. I feel like a techno idiot. So um, I, you, you know, two and, ships. and Dana said she, you know, she had a large, gla- a large uh, a glass of whiskey. I had a large glass of Pinot Grigio after that. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm done. You know, I, so my first impressions uh, of you guys were um, missing in action. That was my, that was my first impression of you guys. I was like, well, I'm here. Where are you? You (laughs) Or you're there. Where am I? You know, a glass half filled, glass half empty, you know, whatever. But dare um, I ask if we've redeemed ourselves? Oh no. From the minute, no, from the minute, the fact that you wanted to um, reschedule, uh, was, you know, was a, a great sign to me. I was like, oh, they're done with me. They're done with this, you know, Instagram, oh you know, this oh, no. lady oh. who doesn't know what she's doing, you know, absolutely not. So, um, and it was really sweet too, because you were saying that you wanted the, you wanted the Google hang only so you could see me. And I was like, you know, yeah, I've aged gracefully. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, I, you know, it's, uh, I, I, you know, I could look good, um, you know, if you need me to, but, um, you know, I do have clothes on. Uh, I don't have makeup on. Uh, I am wearing my glasses, you know, but um, all these things that you consider when you bring video into it, you know, sure. I had done the back, I had done the background. I had my screen actors guild, uh, oh, you know, uh, one of the three in the background. I had a fresh bouquet of roses. I had um, the poster from Broadway bounty hunter behind me. I set up the computer. I was like, what do you look at? What do you see over my shoulder? Okay, great. They can see that. Uh, I share my apartment with my wardrobe. They can see that, you know? And so, so I had it all set up. And then when it was all for naught, I just sat on my couch like, okay, peace out. I'm done. Uh, Ice clinking in a glass of Pinot Grigio. Hi, ho. Final question for you is, uh, there are seven very well-known dwarves in history. If you were the eighth dwarf, what would your name be? Well, I guess it would be Sunny. I mean, let's go with that, you know, let's let's go with, with that theme, Sunny, right? So it's happy and dopey and, uh, right, and, and um, sneezy and grumpy and, you know, so I would be Who's Sunny. I don't think we've had a Sunny yet. Maybe we've oh, had just one. Either. Yeah. yeah. Sunny. Yeah, I think it would be Sunny because, um, you know, it's uh, um, that's that's what I bring to the table. I'm kind of glad to be to be known for that and bringing, you know, bringing the sunlight to the table or, you know, to be golden, if you will. Golden. You can't write this shit. <laughs> <laughs> Annie Golden, we are just over the moon that you joined us this morning. Um, I've never Truly been better. Thank you Dare so I say much. <clears throat> Miss, uh, Madam Floy says, I've been so damn lucky. You know, when she speaks to she speaks to the love of her life, Sergey, she says, I've been so damn lucky. And that's, you know, that's what well, it that's is. That's how we feel today. So thank you so, so much. Thanks for having me in the room, Stephen and Dana. Yes, and I hope that when we uh, can flee the nest and we see on the street, uh, we can introduce ourselves and not scare you too hard. 
hugs all around. Hugs. Yes, hugs. yes. everybody. I think yeah, that's I have, a great challenge. I have a story about that. Was I was doing something on Theater Row, and I and it was a rainy day, and we had twenty minutes for our dinner break. As you actors will know, that that's twenty minutes, and. So I was walking in the street and um, these guys called me. It was 42nd Street and 9th Avenue. And I, they were like, Annie, Annie. And I was like, oh, it's it's my gaze. You know, it's it's my gaze calling me. And the guys came up to me all thrilled and said, we're writers on Filthy Rich. So they were writers on my new series. Oh, perfect. And they went, oh, and we can't wait to write for you. And we're so excited. And I was like, oh, my God, there you go. I mean, I never know when people come up to me what they're Mm going to know me from. Because, as you say, I have so many facets of the career, you know. And it's really interesting when someone says, oh, I saw you in that. Or, oh, I saw you in that. Or, oh, I saw your band back in the day. Or, you know. Mm -hmm. You look recognizable, but I don't know why. And then you have to figure it out. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, like, well, do you watch movies or film or? Yeah, know? I'm not. I'm not running my resume down to you on the street corner. Sorry, <laughs> it's not gonna do it. You well, know, what is a gem then, if not multifaceted? But you would. Oh, uh, lovely. I, you know, that's sometimes you get that where you go. You know, oh, I, you know, uh, do you watch Orange Is the New Black? And they go, I don't have cable, or I don't have net- Netflix, or I don't, I don't watch TV. Then you get like, okay, I, it's my stop. I gotta get off. <laughs> You know, it's like, oi. It's my stop. Yeah, please. I'm not going to run down my resume for you. I love that you love me, but sorry. There's just, I don't mean to be self-important, but we could be here a while if I ran sure. down. <laughs> what I, I'm looking at you, your age, your demographic. What do you like? What don't you like? Yeah, no. Sorry. Done it all. Not your job. Happy to say. Happy to say. Done it all. Thank you. Thank you, Annie Golden. And um, (laughs) bye. 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 That was good. (laughs) That was so good. In the Room with Stephen and Dana is produced by Stephen Farizee and Dana Craig. Special thanks to Joel Wagoner for tinkling the ivories on our theme song. Hit him up at joelwagoner.com. We apologize, and you're welcome. We'd also like to thank Jesse Wiener, W-I-E-N-E-R, for our jazzy original music sprinkled throughout each episode. You can find him at jessewiener.com. Last but certainly not least, we'd like to thank Kevin Thomas Garcia for taking all of our ridiculous photos. You can find him online at ktgnyc.com. We are all over the internet on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at InTheRoomPod. Follow us, like us, share us, pimp us out. And don't forget to subscribe to In The Room Podcast. We everywhere, so subscribe. And thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work 
or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R E R I S E T H E A T R E dot org, because only together we rise. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply.